As we get started today, I'm going to share with you the top five fast food menu items, all right? That's where we're going to begin this morning. You can cheer for the ones that you like. That's what First Service did. You can do better in First Service, though. Here we go. Number five, Arby's Roast Beef Sandwich. I don't even know if there's actual beef on that, but it says beef. Number four, I don't understand this at all, White Castle Sliders. If you're clapping, you're from the Midwest or the West, aren't you? Because those are nasty. Grossest things I've ever put in my mouth. Number three, the KFC Original Recipe Chicken. Classic. Number two, Five Guys Cheeseburger. Yeah. I don't know if you know, but this was originated here in Arlington, Virginia. It's a hometown place all over the place. Yes, second, first service, clap for that one a lot. And number one. The king still reigns. Burger King Whopper is still on his throne as the number one most popular fast food item. Now, we could debate this for the next 30 minutes, I know, but we're just going to leave that there. Um, the fast food industry is a $234 billion industry. It has been a part of American life since the 1950s. Here's what we know about fast food. It's not good for you, right? Can we all agree on that? All right. Uh, they did a survey, and here's what they found. 76% of, 76% of the people they surveyed decided that fast food was not good for you or not good for you at all, all right? 16% of these same people they surveyed said they ate fast food on a regular basis. The other 84%, they lied, okay? We eat a lot of fast food. Now, why do we do this? Because our stomachs start growling. We have these hunger pains. And we're trying to make sure that we can, we can be full again. And sometimes the easiest thing it seems like for us to do is stop by a fast food restaurant and, and fill up on some of our favorite meals. Now, we know it's not that good for us. But when you have this hunger, you want to feed this hunger that's deep inside. And so this morning, we're going to talk about this creature within us that has this hunger that never goes away, that for some reason we continue to try to, to feed. But before I get there, let me go back and kind of recap this series, if you haven't been with us. Uh, we're in this series, or actually today we finished this series called The Creature Within. And it goes back to this passage Jesus gives us. He says, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And so we've been talking about how who we really are, who we, who we truly are is actually deep down inside of us. We can wear a mask, we can have a facade on and act like life is great and we're wonderful and we're good, but, but yet that creature's in us and it comes out at all these different times. And so we've talked about the creature of guilt, the creature of, of jealousy, the creature of anger last week. And, and this week we're going to talk about this creature that Chris Say, who's a pastor and author of a book called The Tao of, of Enron, he writes it this way, he says, greed is a snarling monster with a set of razor-sharp teeth on both sides of its head. It devours not only those from whom it takes, but also those who eagerly receive its plunder. And so today, we're going to talk about this really scary creature of greed. But greed's kind of funny if you think about it, because um, some of you are sitting there right now, and you're kind of thinking, you know what, um, I'm good because... I'm not greedy. 
Like, I don't have a greedy bone in, in my body. I was really afraid he was going to talk about fast food restaurants because I, that's a creature within me. But, but greed, that's not a problem for me at all. I want you to think about every single conversation you've had since the time you could talk or hear, okay? Have you ever in your life heard somebody say, I'm greedy? Probably never. You hear people say, I'm guilty, I'm jealous, I'm angry. But no one ever says they're greedy. Why is that? Because nobody thinks that they have this creature within them called greed. And yet I believe in many of us, and I seriously, if not every single one of us, there's this snarling monster inside of us that's trying to get out, that, that continues to, to bring about this hunger that we have for more. And so we're going to talk about this monster, this, this creature of greed over the next few moments today. And we're actually going to look at a couple of passages, or a couple of teachings Jesus gives. The first one comes out of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, verses, uh, starting in verse 19. Jesus says, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Some of you have probably seen the show Hoarders, and if you've ever watched that before, there is an incredible amount of stuff in this space that we call a, a house, right? And, and we see that show and we think about that and we're like, hey, that's not me. And that's never going to be me because we kind of think that hoarding is only about this loss of floor space or space at all in, in our homes. Sometimes, though, we hoard, and here's what we call it. We call it a virtue. And we call it a virtue because it's connected to our money. We'll say things like, hey, you know what? I'm just a good saver. Or I'm just being a good steward of my money. Or I'm protecting my stuff. Now, before I keep going today, let me say saving and investing are not bad things at all. What I'm saying is that sometimes we hide our greed behind these things that, that we consider to be a virtue. We, we are so attracted or so connected to this hunger for more in, in our lives. And so we're afraid to spend what we have. We're afraid to give what we have because this creature of greed is so deep inside of us. So here's Jesus right here in verse 19, and he's like, hey, you're hungry for stuff. And here's the deal. That hunger you have, it's never going to go away. You're going to have this with you for your whole life. And here's the other thing, too, if you don't deal with this, that stuff that you hunger for, one day, moths may show up. Rust may begin to erode what you have. Thieves may steal it. At some point in time, it's all going to be gone. And so why do you need this hunger for greed? But you know what we do? We still hold on to it. And so then Jesus says this next in verse 20. He says, Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rusts cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Now some read this and think Jesus is talking about liquidating all you have, right? Get rid of it all, sell it all, live a homeless life. That's not what he's saying here. His point is, is we cannot let money, we cannot let our possessions, we cannot not let our stuff become the focus of our lives. We have to learn to ignore these hunger pains and, and be satisfied with what we have. Because here for Jesus, he said that the real treasure, it's not in the things on earth, it's in things in heaven. Now, I, I think when we read this passage right here, we read this verse, we, we kind of see it as this, rewards program right 
Um, I'm guessing if you're like me, you probably have a lot of rewards programs, like apps on your phone, uh, to restaurants, uh, hotels, clothing stores, whatever it may be. All, all of us tend to have these. Uh, I have some of those, but my favorite ones are with two airlines. Now, here's what you need to know. I fly about one time per year, all right? Some of you fly like once a day. I mean, that's just kind of the schedule you're on. But, you know, you like to dream a little bit, or maybe I have a trip coming up in 11 and a half months, and I want to start to look at, you know, prices of flights, even though I don't even think you can look that far ahead. But, um, uh, but I like to get on there and just kind of look around at these two airlines. And one of my favorite things is to look at how many points I have in my reward system there. Because I'm thinking maybe there's going to be a miracle and like there's going to be like two million points in there just going to show up because I only fly like once a year for and I'm on the plane for like 45 minutes. That's about it. That's all I've got. But that never happens. That miracle never, never comes. Uh, what it usually says is, hey, glad you took that flight, you know, 10 months ago. You still need like one million, one hundred thousand points until you can get that free, free flight. I think sometimes we kind of envision this, again, this eternal rewards program. Uh, we have this idea that, hey, if, if I'm really good, if I'm nice to a few people, if I'm helping others out, if I live a certain way, if I'm helping little ladies across the street, if I show up at church, if I'm in a life group, if I serve in a community, if I give a little bit, if I, if I do all these things, then I'm going to really build up this eternal rewards program that I'm a part of. And like when I die and I go to heaven, the, the CFO of heaven is going to look at me like, hey, you know, before you got here, we had you over here about a mile away from the beachfront. But we looked at your rewards program with all these points. You actually get oceanfront property now. I hate to tell you there's no bank of heaven, okay, who's looking to see how many reward points that you have built up in, in your life. There's no upgrade that's, that's coming for any of us. Because Jesus isn't talking about that. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, are you hungry for stuff? Are you hungry for these things of the earth? Or are you hungry for me? Because those are two very different things. We might be good, and we might do some good things in our life. But you know what? If we're not focused on Jesus, we're never going to be satisfied. We're always going to be hungry for more, and we're not going to be hungry for Jesus. So the question here I think Jesus is asking us is, what are you hungry for? But then he takes this greed idea a step further. Look at verse 21. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Uh, that creature within us of greed always hungers for more. And so whatever it is that we hunger for, whatever it is that we're chasing after, those are the things in our life that are the most important to us. Those are our treasures. And whatever it is that we treasure in our life, that is where our heart is too. And too often that creature of greed occupies our heart. And so Jesus gives this teaching to this large crowd who's listened to him teach. But we have a, another example of this that really, I think, kind of comes back to what Jesus taught here in Matthew we find this in actually Luke chapter 12. Uh, two guys, two brothers actually, come up to Jesus. They're having an argument about inheritance, about money. And so they ask Jesus to help them out here. And here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, starting with verse 15. Jesus says, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Life is not measured by how much you own. He's like, hey, 
You can't let greed take over your life. Your life. It's not about how much stuff you have. And then he tells a story. Starts with verse 16. He said, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. They don't have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, other than being a uh, part of a really great Dave Matthews song there, uh, Jesus is actually sharing the story uh, about this, this guy. He's a farmer, but he's a businessman too. And he's, he's had this banner year. He's, he's got tons of crops. It's like his best year ever. And he, he looks around at everything he has. He looks at everything that's come in. He's like, my barns are too small. And so he comes up with a business strategy. He's like, barns are too small. More stuff's coming in. I need to build bigger barns. I've got to protect my stuff. I've got to control what I have. This guy was hungry. He was hungry for more. He was trying to satisfy this, this hunger that was deep inside of him. And yet we, we look at these words here, we look at his story, what we find, we find out what's most important to him. We find out what he believes will take care of him. What he has isn't enough. He doesn't look at all he has and say to himself, hey, this is enough for us to live on. This is enough to take care of my family. This is enough where I can actually go and help other people. He's not looking at it that way at all. He's like, hey, this is my stuff, and I want more and more of this. Some of us can read this parable, this story Jesus tells, and we can think to ourselves, but hold up a second, time out. Isn't he saving his money? Isn't he saving his possessions? Isn't he saving his stuff? This is good, right? No, if we look here, what he's actually doing is he's hoarding it. He's like, I'm going to take care of, of me. I'm going to feed this hunger that I have. And so he seems to be taking it all, not to help others, but to take care of himself. And so then Jesus says this in verse 20. It says, but God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? I love this because God jumps into this guy's life and he's like, hey, tonight you're going to die. What's going to happen to all your stuff you've got? What's going to happen to all these things you're trying to put in these big barns? Well, here's what's going to happen. Your relatives are going to get it. Or you know what? They're going to have to do this estate sale and they're going to sell all your stuff. Or that competitor that you've been fighting against for the last 15 years is going to come in and give your family pennies on the dollar. That's what's going to take place. You're going to lose all this. It doesn't mean anything when you're, when you're gone. So why, are you so why are you so connected? Why are you so focused on this stuff in your life? You're trusting in the wrong things. You've got your faith in the wrong place. The things that you believe in, you're protecting, you're hoarding. You can't take them with you. Your life is going to end. What good are these things going to be for you? And then we read this in verse 21. It says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Now, Jesus doesn't say there's a choice here, by the way. He doesn't say earthly wealth isn't a good thing. What he says is you can have earthly wealth, but the key is do you have this relationship with God first? 
Like, like that's supposed to be your focus. But here's what we've kind of done. We look at this passage and we think we can't have both. Like we, we can't do both. We, we've got to choose. But that's how we live our life, right? We live our life in such a way that we say, hey, this is my stuff. This, this is who I am. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose this earthly wealth. I'm going to choose these earthly, this earthly treasure. And I'm not going to choose Jesus. And Jesus is like, this is not the way this works for you guys. You, you have to choose what you're going to put first. And you can choose this over here, but you won't have this relationship with God you're supposed to have. Or you can choose this relationship with God first, and maybe you have that earthly wealth too, but you're going to live your life very differently than if your focus and your hunger was just for the things that you were greedy for in your life. And yet I think every day we continue to try to make this choice between money or Jesus. And so I think part of what we need to do is understand ourselves a little bit better. And so I think there's a couple of things about money that, that are revealed to us. Here's the first thing. Your money reveals what you love. Your money reveals what you love. There's an easy way to check this, and every single one of us can do it. So look at our finances. Look at your checkbook, if you still do a paper checkbook. Look at your online banking. Look at your credit card statement. If you and I do that, we can really quickly see what we love most. We can see the things that are most important to us. And so look to see where you spend your money. Because that reveals what you love most. The second thing that I think we can find out pretty quickly is that your heart will always follow your money. Your heart will always follow your money. Where we invest our money, where we spend our money, those things that we have found most important, those things that we have listed in our bank account, in our credit card statements, hey, when we begin to invest in those specific areas, we can also figure out where our heart is. And so the question that we face is, are we hungry for money or are we hungry for Jesus? This creature within us is all about this focus on me, and yet we're called to focus on Jesus. And when we put our trust and our focus on Jesus, we can begin to see how, how we use our money changes and how our heart is changed too. But as we talk about greed this morning, I, I don't want to just focus on greed. I want to say, hey, there's a, a better option for us. And this better option that we have is something called generosity. And so what would it look like for us to be a people that were more about generosity and less about building bigger barns? Well, I want to start by kind of giving some characteristics of, of people who are generous. Here's a characteristic of a person that's generous. Generous people are happy people. Generous people are happy people. I, I want you to think for a second about every generous person you know. Now, if you're like me and you kind of have these people and a picture of them in your mind, you're starting to realize that they are always happy people, right? You, have you ever heard a generous person say, I can't believe I gave money to feed those hungry kids. I can't believe I did that. No, generous people don't act that way, do they? I can't believe I gave my money so that one family doesn't have very much, that they can have Christmas presents this year. I can't believe I did that. Nobody does that. Why? Because when you're a generous person, you're a happy person. You give because you have this joy in your heart. You don't have that creature within you of greed. Your heart has been changed. You have this heart of generosity. And, and who you are, you're able to give and, and be happy about what you do give. Generous people are happy people. The second reason we find here that generous people 
are, um, are characteristics of generous people is that generous people see their lives as being significant. Generous people see their lives as being significant. Um, greedy people are trying to figure out, how do I get more? Uh, greedy people are trying to figure out, how do I better me? Greedy people are all focused on, on, on one thing, and they're focused on, on who they are. Generous people exist to make a difference in the lives of others. They, they think about how they can use what they have to help others, to serve others, to support other people, that there's more to life than, than living it for themselves. There, there's more to life than success. There's, there's something called significance. Ken Blanchard in the generosity factor wrote these words. He says, the success-motivated person tends to measure his or her life in terms of money, power, status, achievement, and recognition. The significant person places emphasis on a more spiritual view of life, generosity, the empowerment of others, service, building up others, and helping them develop solid relationships. Our lives are either about success or they're about significance. It's either about me focusing on me and everything I have and what I'm able to do and how much money I have and how much money I make, or it's focused on how I use what I have and who I am and what I make to help other people. And so the question that I think you and I have to ask when we talk about this creature of greed and what generosity looks like, we have to ask, are we success-motivated or are we significancy-motivated? Which I don't even think that's a word, but anyway, you get what I'm talking about. Because if we follow Jesus, we're called to be significant. We're not called to be selfish. We're called to live a life where generosity is over any greed that we may have deep inside of us because we've gotten rid of that that creature of greed and now we have this heart of generosity generous people see their lives as being significant and then the last reason generous people are important is because if we follow jesus we are called to live a life of generosity i I love what um, paul writes to his student timothy in first timothy 6 starting with verse 19 or verse 17 he says teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Barnard Research did some uh, data collecting, some statistics from 2013 to 2016, and they focused on people who said they were practicing Christians. Like, we believe in Jesus, we are practicing Christians, you know, all this kind of stuff. So they did this, and here's what they found out as they began to work through this data. What they found is that these practicing Christians and the churches they went to and their giving habits, they found that on average, the average practicing Christian gives about $1,400 per year to the church that they attend. A little over 50% gave less than $500 per year to the church that they attended, and 15% gave absolutely nothing to the church that they attended. Here's what blows my mind. Here's a group of people who says, we've been transformed by Jesus, we're different than the world, we're practicing Christians, we're part of this church, and yet I look at this data and I think, The data doesn't match up to who you say you are. It doesn't connect at all. 
And it kind of takes me back to what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Because we can say we love Jesus. We can say we're committed to the mission of Christ. But if we look deep down inside of us, I think what we would find is there's still this creature of greed that's there. That the treasure that we so desire is still earthly. That our hunger is not for Jesus. It's, it's for stuff. It's, it's for me. And yet, if we follow Jesus, we're called to live this life of generosity. And people who are generous people, they live this out every single day. And so the question is, how can we be generous people? I'm going to give you a very simple uh, answer to that, and it's going to be really hard to do. Here it is. It's two words. Be generous. I mean, you got to kind of figure that out, right? Be generous. Be generous. Well, what does this look like for us to be generous? I just want to kind of share with you a couple of areas I think generosity is important. Uh, first, I think we have to be generous in the community that we're a part of. Now, when I talk about the community we're a part of, I feel like we're a part of the world, right? I mean, we're part of humanity. Uh, our community is really big. About almost, what, 18 or 18 billion? 8 billion people. It feels like 18 billion sometimes. 8 billion people here in this world. And, and I believe we're, we're called to be generous to our neighbors and too often, we picture that being the people across the street and not the people across the world, across the earth. We're called to be generous. We're called to give and to help others out, whatever that may be. And for you, for me, that may be supporting a mission organization who's doing incredible work in some other place. And maybe that's the place you're generous to. And that's part of this community we live in. But I will also bring that back to where we actually live. I mean, how many times have you taken a meal across the street to your neighbor? How many times have you just said, you know what, they're having a rough time. I'm just going to make some cinnamon rolls and take them over to them and tell them, hey, you know, I want to help you guys out a little bit. Or, or here's a gift card. Or here's a, here's a card. You know, you take a note over there and just you hand it to them like, man, we're just thinking about you guys or we're just trying to be friendly, whatever it may be. Sometimes we forget that we can be generous right where we live. And, and I'm not talking about like just giving $100 bills to people, right? Can I give you a $100 bill? I mean, people would love it. Maybe that's you. That's where your heart is. Go for it. I'm just talking about, can we change the way we view life? That we're not so focused on greed, but we're generous with what we have. Look, you going out and buying food to make for somebody and to give, them to, give that to them, that's a part of generosity. And so are we being generous where we are? And maybe it's another local nonprofit and you see what they're doing, you love what they're doing. You know, you're, you're giving to that. Just be generous with who you are. Be generous with what you have be generous in this community that we're a part of and then here's the fun when i get to talk about this morning be generous in church yeah here we go and the alarms are starting to go off some of you are going to get worked up a little bit and you're going to say things like i knew it i knew this is what he's going to talk about the church is all about money and you're going to send an email or you're going to put something on social media about how this church talks about money all the time here's the deal we hardly ever, rarely talk about money here at The Journey. But I know when we say that word and talk about being generous to the church, people are like, oh my gosh, they just want to build bigger buildings or they want to give the staff bigger salaries. I mean, who knows how expensive Chad's haircut is because I'm sure he spends a lot of money on that. $49.99 about every three years, all right? That's what it costs me to cut my hair. Hey, let me say this. If that's you, if that's where your mind goes to when we say be generous in the church, that's called greed, Okay. Your heart's in the wrong place, and we're not called to be people that are greedy. We're called to be generous. We're called to give to an incredible mission that we're on together. We're called to influence the lives of other people. 
And when you give here to the journey, you know what we do? We do amazing things in our culture, in our world, in our community. Uh, some of those things that we have done, and we, we talked about a couple of them today, trunk or treat yesterday, you know, 800 some people showed up. You know why we were able to do that is because you have been generous. This grocery buyout that's coming up in three weeks, November 20th, you know how we're able to do that is because you're generous. We're, we're going to help under-resourced families in our community because of your generosity. Uh, we've talked about the Afghan Allies na- Network, and a couple of weeks ago, Kathleen, our outreach director, was up here, and she talked about how, you know, we'd already given like a little over $4,000 to help that Afghan Allies Network. Yeah, right now we're over $11,000 that is going to help these refugees here in our area. Hey, that only happens because of your generosity. As we kind of look into 2022, uh, we're, we're working on building an, an accessible playground out here. We're tearing that one down, putting a, a bigger one out that's accessible to all kids. Um, we've got some permitting we've got to work through for Fairfax County. But here's the cool part. We have been doing such an amazing job in our community making a difference. We've talked to the right people in Fairfax County, and they said, we want to help you get this through as quick as possible because we know what you guys are about. You know how we get there? It's because of your generosity. How that playground's going to happen is because of your generosity. Uh, in the spring of 2022, we're looking to do another generosity feeds as we head into probably a little bit after April, after Easter comes. And uh, if you haven't been a part of that, we, we package 20,000 meals and all that food, it stays right here in our community. That only happens because of your generosity. And then we support mission partners all over the world. Why? Because of your generosity. And our hope, our plan, as we continue to look at the future as the staff, as leaders here, we're looking to plant more churches here in Northern Virginia. I know you drive around and you think, man, there's tons of churches, tons of people go to church. 60% of the people who live in Fairfax County, a county of 1.2 million people, do not go to any kind of church at all. They're, they're not religious at all, 60%. And probably another 20% are connected to religions or groups where Jesus isn't the focus of what they do. There's so many people that are far from God right here in our community. And through your generosity over time, we're going to be able to support and make that happen so more and more people can take their next steps towards Jesus. You hear this part, first thing that comes to your mind is, uh uh-oh, they're having some financial problems. That's why he's talking about this right now. 2020, the year of COVID, right? Our giving was the best it has ever been at the Journey Church. Almost $1.2 million of generosity came to this place. Because so many of you, you understand what generosity looks like. That was a year that things should have tanked, but, but it didn't. Our best year ever. Here we are in 2021, and we're on that same trajectory for that same amount of money this year because of your generosity. Now, we're not having a hard time financially here. But here's the deal. <laughs> you can ask anybody else that. I don't like budgets because I feel like budgets put a ceiling on stuff. Um, I always want to be a church first that is generous with what we have. And we give over 10% of what we bring in here back into our community, back into our world, back into missions to do what we can to, to make this world a better place. And we are committed to those sort of things. We, we put money into our journey teens and our journey kids. Why? Because we believe in that. We believe generosity allows us to reach more and more kids and teenagers for Christ. And we do that so we can do what we do here on a Sunday. And we can do that during the week in our groups and how we serve. Your generosity allows us to do that and to make a difference in more and more lives. I'm inviting you to be generous. 
Now, here's the deal. Some of you, you hate I'm talking about this. You don't even like this church. Somebody just makes you come here. Go be generous somewhere else. I am being dead serious about it. Just go be generous somewhere else. Now, I don't think all these earthly and heavenly treasures we've been talking about today, I'm not sure you're going to see some of that. You might be like six miles off the ocean front instead of right on the ocean front. I'm just kidding there. No rewards program in heaven. But, um, but, but sometimes you, you just be generous. But if you believe in the mission of this church, you believe in what God has called us to do, I believe one of the greatest places we can be generous is a place like this. So here's the deal. We are hungry. And uh, too many times it's like that Burger King Whopper. We're hungry and we try to feed that hunger we have of, of greed. And you know what? Maybe we're satisfied for a few moments. But that hunger never goes away. It comes back and we keep trying to feed it. But there's this incredible these incredible words Jesus gives us in John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Jesus is like, you don't need anything else. All you need is, is me. And, and when Jesus is that bread of life that we are feeding off of, we're never hungry. We, we never have this desire for more. We're never trying to eat more. This, this hunger that we have, guess what it does? It goes away. And those creatures within us, they, they leave us too. We'll never grow hungry when we fully follow Jesus. And so as we finish this series today, my prayer is that you and I are working hard to follow Jesus Christ. And when it comes to guilt, when it comes to jealousy, when it comes to anger, when it comes to our greed, that we're hungry for what matters. And that we're hungry for this bread of life that only Jesus can give us.